Hello, and welcome to Tabletop Game Talk, Role-Playing Games Edition, a show where we talk about tabletop gaming topics of all kinds. With this week, a focus on role-playing games. I'm one of your hosts, Fletcher. I'm Kitty. I'm Spencer. And I'm Chris. This week, we're finally going to talk about role-playing games again, but also board games. We'll be comparing the difference between classic role-playing games with board games that try to simulate the role-playing game experience. What are the major differences, and what are the advantages, and where do they fall short? But first, as always, a thank you to our Patreon friends of the show, Adam Harrison, Miles Clark, Sahara Wentworth, and the Gift of Gains and Grace Lake. Huge thank you to all of our other patrons as well. You are all awesome. Um, shout out to our listeners. Monday, the first Monday of every month is always a light listener audience because apparently people don't like role-playing games. They don't listen to us for role-playing games. Well, you know what I say to that? You should. Uh, but if you want to join us on the second Monday... 8.30 Central Time. You should. Uh, you can join us at tabletopgamepot.com slash live. That's Chris's answer to and everything. You should. <laughs> you should. <laughs> Just do it. Why? Because. Um, yeah. So do that. Join us. And then join our Discord. I The last count was at 99. We had 99 people on the Discord. Um, I, I have to assume we have 100 at this point, but um, I didn't count in the past couple of days. And our board game arena group is going strong. Our Azul tournament is in its last round. And that means that we will be drawing winners for our Azul tournament the, this tonight um, at the end of the show. We'll have four winners. Tonight. Two, tonight. It's going to be this tonight. Um, yeah, so we'll have four winners. Two will win their version of Azul, their Azul version of choice that is available on Amazon that I can ship to you. And then two people will win board game arena um year-long gift codes if you already have a year-long subscription apparently these gift codes like you just give to anybody so you know share them with a friend <clears throat> and then i'm i'm dying because hold on i'm gonna drink something real quick um kitty talk you, um are, are we bantering now because you were doing a lot of like I, housekeeping style <laughs> stuff i was but then i swallowed now the wrong Swallow hole. And, um, <laughs> I don't have any housekeeping what? stuff. I, I'm just an eyeball. I'm very tired. You are so small. Don't swallow uh, down the wrong uh, swallow hole. But we should hole. talk about... Let's... <laughs> swallow Shall we talk about where we're recording from yeah. this week? All right. So you, we're going to talk about what you guys did this week before anyone else. Um, what did you do this week? We're in the new house. Yay. Hooray. We're here in Wisconsin. We made it to the fourth state of our move. <laughs> and, and I have decided to call you cheesies from now on. Um, it's a term we of endearment. Yep. Uh, we did have deep fried cheese curds with our dinner tonight. Yeah, we did. I mean, They're so good. In honor of, you, you got to do it. Player three was like, what is this? <laughs> we were like, this is our new homeland, child. Enjoy it. <laughs> Wait, was it, what is this? Oh, my God, it's awesome. Or was it, what is this? Why would you bread and deep fry this crap? Well, there was that. And also, he wanted to play all the video slots. <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, he's like, Dad, they have all these games. They go, no, those games are just for grownups. He's like, but why? That one looks fun. <laughs> Yeah, that's what grown ups like think too. I race car games and there's wolves on them. And he's like, they look like so much fun. Because like, the, the yeah, best part of living in Wisconsin is it is socially acceptable to bring your children to a bar. You know something? I grew up in Wisconsin I had when I was a kid. <laughs> and the best part of living in Wisconsin was going to the bar with my parents. And it was like a sawdust floor and peanuts everywhere. And yeah, I loved it. Like, I. 
Those are some of my best memories, actually. And there was a, a jar of pickled eggs behind the bar. And for the life of me, I couldn't understand why you would eat a pickled egg. And I still, to my adult life, have never tried one. But now I really want to try one. So I have never eaten, nor have I ever seen a pickled <laughs> egg. I don't think that's typical of I, a Wisconsin lifestyle. It was just one of those things that I, I was aware of. And now I really, I really want a pickled Did egg. you grow up with a Jewish mother in a shtetl or something? I mean, what are you talking about? I I know. <laughs> Trust me, it doesn't make sense, but they're real. They're real, and I want one. I don't know why I want one. I just do. I just do. But no, I'm glad you guys are there. We're well, not going to come up this and we'll weekend. Look for pickled eggs together. Yeah, uh, we're going to come up soon, and we will hunt for pickled eggs. Yeah, it's like no further than we were before. I'm. Uh, yeah, I'm actually I'm really looking forward to it. And you guys aren't. Yeah, like I said, you're not that much farther. And I kind of want to pick a slightly nice weekend. But hopefully, you know, two weeks from now, spring is sprung. And we can try this for real. Oh, you people. I So um, in full disclosure, Fletcher and I. So to, to move on to other news, <laughs> our Azul tournament, Fletcher and I got caught in the last game together. And if you remember, you know, a few weeks back, I gave Fletcher a really hard time about how poorly he did in his particular game. And at the present time, Fletcher, we are all playing right now, along with Courtney. Courtney's also in our live chat. So we're, we're playing in real time. We're only like, you know, two rounds left. And Fletcher is really doing something very painful to me. <laughs> and I don't like it, Fletcher. <laughs> He's, if you've played Azul, he's about to fill my entire bottom roll. I don't even know what happens when the entire bottom roll is filled, but that's going to happen in a second. And yeah, I'm, I'm sad faced. I'm so sad faced. Courtney's in on this too. Like she's, she's, I'm picking up five tiles that I can't place. So anyway, um, yeah, glad the move went well. (laughs) Well, you know, after my, uh, what is this now? My fourth game or so? I've gotten uh, I've gotten a lot better each time. I've I think my first game I was like twenty three points, something really sad. I didn't quite understand the rules. Then my next game I lost by one point, and I think I was like at sixty four, sixty five points. The next game I lost by I think maybe ten points, but I had eighty five points. Um, so I've been like getting a lot, a lot better like every time. <laughs> Yeah, I'm. We're in the last round of this game, and I have 23 points. Uh, Fletcher and Courtney both have 36 points. Um, yeah, so I think there was something along the lines that you know, Kitty, you are winning of the three of us, and in the Azul tournament. I'm sorry, I was trying to fix a buzzing over here, so <laughs> I didn't actually hear any of what was going on work? for a while. Did you, did you fix the buzzing? Yes, I did. All right. Well, you are winning in the Azul tournament among the three of us, <laughs> not among the the rest yes. of the group, because the rest of the group is just so much better than we are at this game. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm like in ninth. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Fletcher or Courtney are going to destroy me, and I'm going to be last. I'm going to have lost. I'm going to won the have won the first round and lost dead last all three of the rest of my games. <laughs> Well, so far, my score in the last game is zero, and I'm up against people whose scores are also zero and zero, and that's because <laughs> I moved, and I took my first turn today in the game. <laughs> to be fair, though, this afternoon when I checked, it was not my turn, so, you know, 
I am doing my best here. That's what you're saying that's, is you're winning. You Ooh, are. I'm also losing. So. <laughs> <laughs> you're tied for last place. Um, yeah. So okay. But yes, you moved. Uh, I do have news on the Hadrian's Wall front for those listeners who have uh, been listening. And I, I'm pretty <laughs> sure that we're going to be rebranding to BGA Game Talk soon. But um, right now, I have, I have as of yesterday, no, as of today, I played through a full game of Hadrian's Wall on BGA. Uh, it is not ready for alpha yet because there's sections of some of the pages that don't you can't play yet. But as soon as that is working, I will make it into an alpha. And then I will be putting out an an open call for alpha testers. You just have to be part of our Discord so that I can like invite you and link you and all of that kind of stuff. So if you're interested in doing that, that's just another reason why you should join our Discord because uh, you can then try out Hadrian's Wall. And I'm desperately. Will alpha testers be paid with pickled eggs? Um, they won't unless they're in Wisconsin. And then okay. I will do the buying of the pickled eggs. Um, Steve, you're in luck. <laughs> you're in luck. <laughs> All the pickled eggs you can eat, which is not a lot because it's their pickled eggs. So, uh, yeah, so I'm that's that's fun. I'm again trying. I need testers mostly because I don't want to overplay the game because I actually want to enjoy it after it's released and still want to be able to play it. So that's that's Hadrian's Wall. Uh, Fletcher, did you do anything interesting or fun? Um, no, Carmen got really sick over the weekend, which is why I was out. Um, Last week, I was taking care of her, um, but uh, over this past weekend, so that was why I was out last week, but this past weekend, um, even though it was only like 50 degrees outside, I decided to smoke my first brisket of the summer. <laughs> and uh, That sounds delicious. Yeah, it was, uh, it was really good. It was a lot of fun and started it at about five, five o'clock in the morning, had lunch around one uh, thirty. I'm 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 sort of jealous. Although we are going to have barbecue for Mother's Day, so which is going to be a pile of brisket. Jewish Mother's Day. My Jewish mother-in-law likes brisket. My wife likes brisket. I like brisket. Everyone likes brisket. So we're just going to do brisket for Mother's Day. Brisket is awesome. It is the best. I don't want brisket for Mother's Day. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of mother are you? I just want pickled eggs. <laughs> I'm gonna make this happen somehow. Somehow, I'm you know, you could just happen. make pickled eggs. I see. So I started looking up, like, can I really make pickled eggs? And I'm not sure that I can because I have. I don't know how to pickle an egg. Like, it, it's powerful. Like, you don't. You don't. You don't. You don't can them. You jar them. Well, see, that's sort of the problem right from the beginning. Is I don't even know how to pickle anything, and I would love to pickle something. But then I go out to the store and I'm like, oh, I can buy this jar of pickles for $3. Maybe I'll just eat these. So that is a I was going to Google it, but then it made the buzzing come back. So I turned my phone back <laughs> off. Sorry. No. <laughs> no, we might know because the buzzing is what we're hearing in the recording. But that's okay. If you hear a buzzing, it was all in a good cause to try to find out how to make pickled eggs. Um, let's talk about games instead of pickled eggs. Because Christopher oh, Dong wants me to idea. 3D print. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> I like tabletop egg talk. <laughs> Table, tabletop egg talk. All tables and eggs all the time. Okay. So, um, role-playing games. Role-playing games in a box. Spencer, have you ever heard the term role-playing game in a box? 
I have. All right. I just wanted to, I just wanted to make sure. Um, that's good. That's good. It's, this is great uh, first date conversation. Uh, just answer with single words, and yep, we really get to know each other well. Um, <laughs> I hate you so much. So did I mention that we cracked a bottle of champagne to celebrate our new home? <laughs> I'm drinking out of a coffee mug. Um, what's in that coffee mug? Who knows? But I'm drinking out of it. Um, so, board games in a box. I want to love these things. I really do. Gloomhaven is a great board game in a box. However, um, Gloomhaven does something that most of the other ones... Is it a role-playing game in a box? Because I think all board games come in boxes. Uh, you have me at that. A role-playing game in a box. RPG in a box. <laughs> RPG container. GM-less role-playing game, however you want to say it. It's not a board game in a box. All board games are in boxes. Not all of them, but most of them. <laughs> um, so Gloomhaven is kind of an exception. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about you know, essentially any other game. Let me ask a better question that might lead to a conversation. Have you ever played one? Yes. Uh, I don't know if it's the only one I've ever played, but the one that really sticks out to me the most is the uh, Order of the Stick board game. Okay. Oh, yeah. I would call that a role-playing game in a box. Oh, it's definitely a role-playing game in a box. And it, it's it's the one... I don't know if it's the only one... Because <laughs> it lasts for about eight years in a single play session. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. <laughs> right. Like a good role-playing game. Yeah. Did we start that at your old apartment one time, Chris? That was... Yeah, we played a game of that on the Beacon apartment. And I think it took close to five or six hours. I thought that was still when you were on Damon. That was before we moved in together. Yeah, it was It was a long time ago. Um, I would never play it again. I kept it around for a while. And then I'm just like, no, 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 no. <laughs> um, no. But, <laughs> so Order of the Stick is but interesting. Why, but, but, but Chris, but Chris, why not? What, what, what bothered you about the game? Mostly the length, right? So, and, and that's the thing. So Order of the Stick is just because this is something that probably three people in the entire world know about that existed. Um, it's a, it's a webcomic. A lot of people probably know about the webcomic, maybe. Mm-hmm. And it is a board game based on the webcomic, which, and the webcomic is this really stereotypical, like, here's the stereotypical D&D party with, you know, a lot of really, you know, tongue-in-cheek humor that goes along with it. It's a hilarious game. It's a hilarious comic. I really enjoyed that aspect of it. Um, but it went forever. It just kept going. But it was still a single session. Other role-playing games and boxes that I would think of is things that last over multiple sessions. So these days, um, like Descent is a good example from Fantasy Flight, right? It just You can play forever and ever and ever. And uh, this just in, I miserably lost... Um, to just horrible, horrible loss. I, I beat Courtney. Congratulations on the win. I beat Chris, and uh, Chris, your last move screwed me. I would have won. That <laughs> <laughs> was the only move I could make. Um, so, I think that means that de facto I'm the winning host because I don't think anyone can beat me now. You are the winning host. You are definitely the winning host. <laughs> I can win. I can lose and still win now. Good. Oh, we're so all over the place. Is this where I, I get to gloat this is your first time. and say that when we played each yeah. other, I, I, I beat you? I'm a better Azul player. You Do better next gloat. time. Yes. Well, you the did student do better next time. I master. inspired you. I inspired you to rise so above we your failures. Just hosts 
Now that we've actually learned how to play, we can play just the three of us, Azul, on BGA. That is... All right. So for the post-credits of this episode, um, it's going to be the three of us playing a game of Azul in real time. They play like in 10 minutes, so we can do this in real time. I don't and know. I'm very tired. <laughs> fine. Next week, fine. maybe. Fine. We'll see. Next we'll week. We'll see how it goes. After yeah, more champagne. In after we know the winner. That'll right. help. Yeah, so I've, I've, all right, so you've totally derailed, I derailed us, but board game in a box. Oh, board game in a box. Role playing (laughs) game in a box. This is the one. This is the episode that gets us nominated for best podcast. I'm certain of it. Like, this is the one. They give out awards? I hope. Why was I not informed? (laughs) I hope that. Whoever gives the awards is watching the live stream so that they can see me pop in and out of frame because I can't remember to keep my head pointed at my microphone, but also in the webcam at the same time. Nope, they do not. Um, All right, role-playing games in a box. I'm going to define these real quick. Campaign, character development, storylines. You have to get to the end. And again, there's a bunch of them. What I really want to talk about is the pros and cons of these that types of games. That was a very games. poor definition. Hold on. It was hold a on. terrible. <laughs> Let's nitpick this definition. Let's slow it down here. Fletcher, define a role-playing game in a box. <laughs> that took a long time before you got a question out of that. Um, in a box. There is a role playing game. It's taken a long time for us to get to the point of this game, of this podcast. So I don't know. I feel like it's kind of self explanatory. So instead of buying just like books where it's like, here's a set of rules, and then, you know, it could be theater of the mind, you print up pieces of paper, it's a grid, it's whatever. It's an entire role playing game, an entire campaign. Everything you need is in the box, including the little minis or character stands and. Of course, the rules and the monsters and everything that you need is in this box. So it is more of a tabletop, you know, quote unquote board game feel with pieces that you'll move around. That is a campaign role playing game where you progress and level up or something along those lines. Yeah. And who runs the game? Uh, Nobody. And that's sort of the point. Yeah. Typically. um, I was asking Fletcher. (laughs) Typically, it's a it's a set of either simple or very complicated rules that you follow that determines like monster movement and uh, and events and everything that happens. And it's a giant flow chart. Yeah. Now, and I say nobody. I don't actually descent, which is probably one of the most um, known of these types of well, not most known because there's a lot of better ones newer. Um, but one of the originals, it actually did have a player that ran the the monster side of things. Um, second edition of Descent uses an app to do that instead. But something like Gloomhaven, that is a flowchart of rules, you know, for all intents and purposes. And most of these types of games are like, here's how the monsters work and ready, go. So there are advantages to these kinds of games. And I, I want to I want to like them more than I do because it occurred to me that I think I hate all of them. I, I just, I just think they're bad, and I keep buying them, hoping that the next one will be good. And besides Gloomhaven, they are all not good. In in and so they're you hate just them all, and you keep buying them. I want to find the that Chris perfect story. This is, this is why the movers think that you're a game store. <laughs> this is true. My breaking point was Bard Song. <laughs> 
So Bard Song was a Kickstarter a couple years ago, and looking at the Kickstarter, it reminded me so much of Fifth Edition. And it's like, okay, here's this huge story and these characters and like the how the characters worked was like really cool. It's, it reminded me of fifth edition, but it wasn't exactly obviously like it. And everything about it just seemed like really, really cool. I'm like, this could be the one. This could be the one I really, really like. So I have to back it. And I have to go all in. I have to get everything. So I did. And then I played through the tutorial of it. And by the end of the tutorial, I'm like, I'm just doing the same thing over and over and over. Reveal a room. Random encounter, set up some monsters, move around, kill the monsters, move to the next room. I can go through and just read the story if I want to read the story, but all the pain of like rolling dice is just not fun. It, it, it's just, it's so tedious. And then it got me thinking, why, why isn't D&D like this? Why don't you guys go insane every time I say roll initiative and being like, we don't want to roll any more dice. And that's really got what got me thinking about <laughs> like you're playing the wrong what? game then. <laughs> Maybe. Like <laughs> what's the difference, right? And I, I don't I, I have one word for you. Are you ready for it? I'm ready. I'm ready. Backstory. Uh How that's much is that time one word? Have we talked? <laughs> it is. It's one word. All right. It's a compound word. It is a compound word. Thank you, Spencer. It's an edge case, but we'll take it. <laughs> <clears throat> the whole fun part of D&D for me, and we've talked about this on many of these episodes. Yeah, but I'm th- I think you're about to I lie. I am in control. I am in control of my character's backstory. I love to create characters. Character creation. You can do that. Hold on, hold on. You can do that in a tabletop or a role-playing game in a box on a table. Which, which role-playing game in a box gives me the choice to create my character? Well, the, the backstory is always just fluff that doesn't matter in the mechanics. You can do okay, that. Okay, fine. You can sit fine. down and take this like this generic character that has these rules and go like, this one came from such and such, whose parents says, don't you dare do that. But <laughs> she decided she was going to anyways, and then she did. But it's That's not- my backstory. All right, fine. It's two words. It's character creation. <laughs> All right. So here's the thing. Bard Song has very compelling character creation. And it actually has compelling character development. And Spencer, you are right. You can superimpose backstory in a lot of these games. But some of them, you're playing characters that have their story laid out. And part of the game is going through their story. So... And in those ones, like if you wanted your own backstory, you wouldn't. That wouldn't be the one that fits. Um, Joshua mentions Earthborn Rangers is trying to emulate backstory archetypes in gameplay, but it's not out yet. Also, I think Earthborn Rangers. I will say it now is going to be a tremendous flop. That game looks horrible. It just looks <laughs> horrible. <laughs> yeah, and on the record, we'll see how that shakes out for you, Chris. This is. Um, <laughs> Uh, is it, it's not. It's the former head of studio of Fantasy Flight who split off and is doing his own thing. Um, it looks like it's directionless. It has no point. It has. It's just. It just looks horrible. It just looks like a horrible game. Tell me it's how you really feel. Game I looked at me like I'm gonna love this, and I looked at the gameplay, and I'm like, I am not backing this. It is a Kickstarter. I did not back. I. I it, it just looks bad. I'm um, sorry, Joshua. Hopefully you didn't back it. But if you did, hopefully you love it. Um. <laughs> so to my point, though, in D&D, you have 
it feels like infinite choices when you're creating your character. You have, and like you can create anything you want. You have so much available to you to choose from. You get to make so many micro decisions that really feel like you are tailoring a character to you. And most of these, and not all of them, I'm sure there are exceptions, but almost every role-playing game in a box, choose one of these six characters. Customize it, perhaps, the way you want. But here's, and maybe you get to unlock different characters or whatever it is, but you start with, here's your character, play. Yeah. And you get to upgrade them. You get to choose different things. Maybe you can put a sticker on it with the picture you like for that character. Maybe not. Some of them, it's just like, here's your figure. Here's your cards. There you go. I'm looking at you, Gloomhaven. (laughs) And it's not as compelling to me. I don't feel the same sense of ownership as I do over a character that I created, especially one where we had a session zero, where we created our characters as a party, thinking of us as a party, how we relate and how we built this thing together. So it, it's it's funny to me that you keep talking about character creation because to me that is the least important difference between uh, an RPG in a box and like a traditional tabletop RPG. And um, I think the way that I would put it best is that uh, playing a uh, an RPG in a box is like dancing with a robot. <laughs> You're going through the motions, but it's not it's not the same kind of thing whatsoever. And you know you can have uh, you know, rule mechanics that go through things like uh, I'm fighting the monster. Okay, you encounter the monster, you roll initiative, you go through this or whatever. But what about when somebody in the party wants to diplo the goblin? <laughs> and then there's a big dialogue scene. And the whoever's running the game goes like, all right, I'm going to wing it. And then you go off in some weird direction. It's not the character building in the background. Uh, and it's not the uh, the fiddly bits of the way that you build your character, or whatever. It's the interaction that you have through what is an irreplaceably human element that has to be running the game to. Well, I think I agree with you. Go ahead, Spencer uh, Fletcher. Smart uh, Spencer Fletcher. Uh, I, <laughs> I was just going to quip that uh, clearly that Spencer has never danced with Johnny Number Five because <laughs> Johnny Five is yeah. alive. Alex uh, Sheedley's character obviously enjoyed dancing with that robot. That's all I have to say. Yeah, I think that you're not wrong as far as like the, the story itself. When you are when the story is already written down, you only have certain choices. Whether you feel like you're on a railroad or not, you're literally on a railroad. Now you're not. This you're figuratively on a story railroad. <laughs> I have this pet peeve about people using literally wrong, and I can't be that. You might, you be, might be literally on a railroad. You could. You'd have to be if, on a very if you're on, Yeah, if you're on Amtrak <laughs> playing RPG these games, you're literally on a railroad. <laughs> but figuratively, the story is railroading you in a number of directions. And it might be branching, and it might be have all kinds of different choices. I just played through um, World Player Adventures, which I actually did enjoy, and this is obviously a role play role playing game in a box um you know centered around yahtzee but it's <laughs> obviously obviously but it was short enough it was 12 scenarios where it didn't get boring if it had been 13 scenarios i'd be like okay i'm done with this game because the core mechanic of the game is rolling dice and playing cards to manipulate the dice to solve these these puzzles and that mechanic 
survived for 12 scenarios. The story was also compelling. There was a lot of different things you could do. And a lot of like, there were so many cards left at the end of the game where I'm like, we only played a quarter of this game. Like we didn't even touch, scratch the surface of all the different things we could have done. But that's because it was short enough where we didn't get sick of the core mechanic. The core mechanic of some of these games, though, like the core mechanic of D&D is roll a D20 and add a number to it. Yet every time I say roll initiative, Kitty, who loves her backstory, is excited to play her character with her backstory and roll that D20 and add some number to it. Um, now, there's... She, she also is is really in love with highly tactical combat rules, though. Yes. It's not like she's just the backstory girl. <laughs> So what I'm wondering is why, and actually maybe Fletcher, this is a better question for you because in our last campaign, Kitty played the wizards and the wizards have a lot of options. There's a lot of different things they can do. So a lot of fiddly bits. Things there, fiddly bits. But Fletcher, you played the characters like I sneak up and stab them in the back and then I run away. Like, and that was your every single turn. What do you do? I sneak up, I stab them in the back and I run away. Um, <laughs> yeah. But you didn't. It didn't seem like you felt like it was repetitive. It felt like, like, oh, goody! I get to sneak up and stab him in the back and run away again. Why? Why was that something that didn't feel like over overly used? I don't. And and just to be clear, I didn't think it was overly used either. I just like it's it's the thing your character did. I mean, this just in. Chris doesn't like the way you run your character. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. Um. He doesn't like the way any of us run our characters. He's the DM. That's his that's, job. Especially job. when he builds them for you and then hands them to you. And then he's like, you know, it really doesn't feel like you're involved with your character. <laughs> Fletcher, answer the question before these people talk again. Um, I could see how people might not like to play a character like that. I don't mind playing, you know, the barbarian that's like, I'm just going to run up and hit things. And, you know, soak up the damage or I'm going to I'm going to play the rogue and I'm going to hide in the shadows. I'm going to pop out and stab something and then I'm going to run away. Um, I don't mind that so much. In some ways, it's kind of freeing because it's like I have two things I can do. Is it going to be A or is it going to be B? Because, (laughs) you know, you you do have choices like C, D, E and F. But it's like those are not very good choices. It's either A or B. Um, But, you know, with a wizard or a sorcerer or a magic user, you have a whole alphabet of choices and it's like, Hmm, which one do I want to do? What is going to be good in this scenario? And some people like that. Uh, I'm going to do J so that I can get M to make it so I can do X. (laughs) Yeah. Until, until the rogue just pops out of the shadows, kills the target and you're like, no, (laughs) now I have to move. This was the time I could have done it. Um, So I guess I was thinking about this a bit more. So I, I don't mind. I don't mind it. I think it's kind of fun. And, and I just, you know, for me, it's just like optimizing for like, okay, like I'm going to go and attack this guy and then I'm going to run away. And then next next turn, uh, I want to make sure that I have advantage again so I can do my, you know, sneak attack damage. So how can I make sure that I always have advantage to do sneak attack? That's just kind of like the simple optimization that, you know, that I would go through. Um, and it was fun every time because I felt like I was contributing and, um, you know. It's what my character was spec to do. <laughs> but so aren't all those things also applicable to an RPG in a box of, you know, optimizing to make sure you always get sneak attack, contributing to what the group's trying to accomplish, looking at your options and taking the best one. Like, why is it different when there's a, a human running the game instead of just a rule? Book? The answer is for Chris, I'm answering for Chris. He can't DM a game in a box <laughs> and he wants to DM. 
There is that. Even when I'm a player, I'm constantly questioning every move the DM makes. And I'm like, oh, I wouldn't have done it that way. So it could be that. Now, there's also one other thing that just kind of occurred to me. So when I was playing, when I play Gloomhaven, because I really enjoy Gloomhaven, I'm playing in a group of four. Um, and I don't have to fiddle it with it because we're doing it on Steam. When I played Role Player Adventures, we were playing in a group of three. And we were all playing through. When I played Bardsong, I played it solo. When I've played every other role-playing game in a box mm. that I haven't liked, I've been playing it solo. And I think, I mean, that that's definitely a problem. We'll get back to it. But I, I want to ask you guys, when you're in combat, you're optimizing your moves, right? You're thinking about what can I do to best murder this goblin. Does the story matter while you're in the mechanical mindset of combat? Or... Is it like, okay, we're in combat, so now murder, murder, kill, kill, and then, oh, we're out of combat, okay, then we can deal with the story again. Like, how do you guys feel the story plays into all of this? Um, I would say usually no, but sometimes yes. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Usually no, but sometimes yes. (laughs) So I think that when we're in combat, often it's not that, like, we're thinking of what the story is is we're trying to get through the combat but by going through the combat as best we can as our characters would with the abilities we have we have created story and now we have to shake out what that means and so it it's it's both so all right like if if we're just in a combat because in a mechanical sense we're in a combat and they want to move on to the next challenge then there might be an opportunity to let the monster run away. And then I just do whatever is optimally there for a thing. But if my character is attempting to avenge his sister, then even if it tactically makes sense to let that monster run away, I'd be like, no, I have to avenge my sister. I'm going to go hunt it down and expend too many resources for a pitiful fight. And th- that's a big difference for me there between those, those two things. But again, I don't think... I don't think that's really the fundamental difference between the game in the box versus a traditional RPG. I, I think that difference is creativity and feedback. So like, Chris, if you're running a game, one of my favorite things to do is announce that I'm going to do something unexpected and strange in a combat and watch the pain on your <laughs> and then see... The, the improvisation you come up with of like, okay, if you make the called shot and knock down the chandelier, we'll see what happens. Maybe, maybe it knocks this thing over and lights the barrel of oil on fire. Let's see. Let's see how it goes. You can't do that in a, uh, you know, game in a box. It's just, you've got your three options and you do one or the other. But even like Fletcher was bringing up, if you're the dumb barbarian who has the two attacks, the dumbbell barbarian can still say, "Well, I'm going to run up and hug the guy," if that's what you want to do, right? And when Sydney was playing her that barbarian, way. that happened at least twice. Um, sure. The other thing is <laughs> with games in a box, typically it's you know you're going to be focused on combat. At least the ones that I've played, when you know you set up your combat map, you're not going to be able to diplo your way out of it or stealth your way through it. Yes. Like, th- yeah, you have very limited options in what you can do. And you're like, okay, well, I'm going to do A or B because that's what the game's allowing me to do. So, I, But I think what you're essentially all getting at in, is 
it's the team aspect of the game that keeps it interesting and keeps it fresh. How can we mess with the DM? How can we help our teammates? How can, you know, how does this story progress all of us? Um, those things matter. And when you're playing something solo, as I was when I was deciding that I hate all these games, I'm starting to realize that I think any game, like even Gloomhaven, and that's not true. Gloomhaven Gloomhaven's a different type of game. I've actually played that solo for quite some time, and, and I've liked it. But... Um, and Arkham Horror, the card game, is another one that is like this role-playing game aspect, which I can play solo and enjoy it. But mostly, if there's a story and there's not someone to share it with, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, dynamic, you know, because you're playing, well, again, if it's written down and you're playing a story by yourself, there's no one to share it with, it just l- lacks something. It lacks the the reason to continue, the reason to keep rolling the dice, right? I feel like you're changing the topic, though, because... <laughs> Because you're you don't have to play these games alone. Well, but here's the thing. And I think that's what it's really coming down to is most of the time you play these games by yourself and you're talking about the difference of playing it solo. And I'd say that that goes beyond like an RPG kind of thing. Like you can just you don't have to like if you want to do something solo that's not even a game and show how different that is. Yeah, well you you're can not read a book. Yeah, exactly. You're not wrong. And I think that that's the the promise and maybe that's like me going into something and saying, "Oh, I want to have this player experience, but I don't have someone who can run this game for me. And so when I think about a role-playing game in a box, like I don't need a GM. I can play this solo. All of these games you can play solo. So it gives you this promise of playing this game and having this story and doing all of these things. But if you're doing it alone, it doesn't, it's like, does it matter? And I think that's the difference where the role-playing game in the box allows you to play alone. And encourage, not encourages you, but, you know, says, hey, no problem. One to six players. No, you can play this game. So I see the one. I'm like, sure, I want to do this. And then when I play it and I it leaves me wanting something. It doesn't keep me going. Because if I think about, go ahead. So I want you to finish your thought real quick. Well, what I was going to say is. Because I'm about to change the topic. <laughs> the closest thing I can think of of something that we've all done together, except for Fletcher, um, <laughs> that is like this is Pandemic Season 1. Pandemic Season 1 is, for all intents and purposes, a role-playing game in a box. And I'm wondering if you were playing that by yourself. Disagree. Well, I I do agree. And I was going to get to that too. And I, I think what makes it more compelling than so many of these other role-playing games in a box is the story you're unlocking. You're opening these cards, you're reading the deck, you're going through it, you're you are revealing the story to yourself. Yeah, but that's and happening in all of them. I feel like there's as much. I, I don't know. The ones that I've played before, it didn't feel as compelling a story. And it didn't feel like my actions mattered as much to what outcome I got. And maybe I just haven't played enough of these games that I'm not getting it. But it felt more like okay, you beat the encounter, here's how you get to upgrade, and here's how you get to go through the mechanics to get to the next scenario. It didn't feel as much like, and now we're coming to the conclusion of the story. Maybe I just didn't get to the conclusions of the stories. I just got through the boring, like, here's how you learn your characters parts. But but for me, I don't know, maybe Pandemic had such an easy learning curve. It started throwing stuff at you much faster. I felt like we got through the story in a very 
fast and compelling fashion. Yeah. Well, it was the whole 12 scenarios slash 24, mm-hmm. but 12 versus, you know, 150, um, which is where Gloomhaven essentially is. <laughs> but it is one of those things where I think it would have, I don't, because I have Pandemic Season Zero sitting on my shelf. I, it's still in shrink. I have no interest in playing it by myself. But if I were playing it with a group, I'd be super into it. Bring it here. <laughs> we're very excited. And by we, I mean me. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. <laughs> and if I'm playing with Sydney or something, like if I'm playing Arkham Horror, I'd rather play with her. Because then we're sharing that story. Even though she doesn't care about the story at all, it still feels like I'm sharing the experience with somebody. So this brings me to the point that I was going to make. Alba. It is basically a solo RPG, but I loved it. And I ran through it and started it again. And so did you. Yes. But it wasn't, it it both was and wasn't a solo RPG. It was a choose your own adventure RPG combo that really, I feel like hit the nail on the head of like, making compelling story but also feeling like your choices mattered to that story and it was it was fun i think too because we both did it that is the i think that was what kept me going is you had played it and you did a certain thing so i was playing it and i wanted to compare the results with you so it's still even though we weren't playing at the same time there was a shared experience there also you could play that whole game in you know essentially four hours and yep. then you could play it again. So it, it, it does change. Like the the repetitiveness didn't really come into it. Also, that game didn't have the mechanics of that game were very, very light and not super repetitive anyway. Yeah, I just I feel like the requirement one of the they should just not put one to whatever on these boxes. But maybe they should. Maybe <laughs> maybe I'm in the minority in like if I if I can't play with a group, I'm not interested in playing. If I can't share my experience. Well, if you're only one, you're the ultimate minority. I know. I just, I don't <laughs> like being in the minority. That just seems bad. <sighs> yeah. I just want more people to go by Alba. I feel really bad. They seem to have all of their physical media is um, stuck in China due to supply chain issues. And I everyone should go buy their digital stuff so they can keep making things. But Chris, like, link them in the show notes because seriously... Well, that was so much fun. You need to send me a link so that I can... I will. Yeah. Send me the link and I'll link them in the show notes. Because it was fun. I, but I, after the show is recording, because I'll make the buzzing noise again if I turn on my phone. <laughs> no, yeah, don't make the buzzing noise. <laughs> I don't know. I, honestly, I, I, don't, I don't think this is a very big mystery. And the more we talk about it, the more clear it is to me. Gaming is ultimately a, a social phenomenon. And when you're playing a board game, it's a structured activity that facilitates engaging with people. Sometimes people that you know and love, sometimes with complete strangers. And when you're gaming with complete strangers, that's what's so amazing about it is that you ha- you sit with somebody that you don't know and you interact with them in a way that produces fun and a connection between the two of you. And, you know, while sometimes it can be fun to go through and do a solo play, like I've played solitaire many times in my life, it's not as cool as sitting down and playing poker with friends and reading each other. And it's the same thing. Yes, when you're playing a board game, uh, you know, an RPG in a box with friends, that's, that's more fun than playing solo. But it's even more fun when the game itself is ran by somebody else because it's adding an extra dimension to the social engagement. More of that flexible human element to the game. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, honestly, I, I agree with you 100%. Up until the last piece, 
I do think that if you are in a group and you're playing against the game, that is that is 100% fine. I will say that, yes, it is more fun when there's an actual human on the other end of the table to, like, really vary things up. But you can have a really good it time. It's not like you're disagreeing with me at all. You're just <laughs> saying the same well, thing. Well, so right? I don't think it's required. In our ill-fated, in our ill-fated attempt at doing a... Um, I can't even think of the word of the the the. We, what was ill fated? When we were all playing together and trying to record it, and it didn't. Oh work yeah, actual play. Spencer actual play. Actual play. When we were trying to do our actual play, there we go. Um, we ended up turning the villain into our ally. Yes. Yes. That never happens in an RPG in a box. It well, sort of depends. It, it could happen if it was. And there's been several that have, that's happened. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, they could come up with a flowchart that would allow that to happen, but you, it, it couldn't happen arbitrarily. Yes, that is. I think that's the real thing. Is the spontaneous story elements aren't going to happen when it's all scripted ahead of time. So I, I agree with you. In in like there are cases where. I think the better way of saying that is there are certain things that you just can't make happen in a story that's already written down because it's already been written down. Um, so unless the original author decided that you could befriend the bad guy, you it's just not going to be something that you do. I think you've convinced me I should not buy these games anymore because if I'm going to play a role-playing game, you just buy I it might on as Steam. well just play. No, well, I might as <laughs> well just play a role-playing game. Yeah. Right. And then get a group of people together and play a role playing game. And every game in a box is essentially going to fall flat because I know I could do the same thing. And what I'm going to do with Bard Song, because I went all in, is I'm just going to read it like a choose your own adventure. I'm just going to assume I succeeded at the combats and make these choices and see what the storyline is. And then if I read it that way, it's kind of like Alba, right? The choose your own adventure game that you just give yourself keywords um there's been a few games that big games usually from awakened realms that you know people are like this game is so repetitive but i want to read the story so i just kind of fake the game and play the story i don't know i think that's an overreaction like while a a more social game may be more fun generally speaking uh the, the dynamics of playing through the game is still enjoyable. Again, like going back to the, you know, solitaire versus playing poker with your friends. You don't just deal out a deck of solitaire and then flip all the cards over to see how the game would have played out if you would have played it. <laughs> Ex- executing it and going Isn't it that actually how solitaire works? I mean, uh, d- depending on the version of solitaire that you play, there are there is a level of determinism to it. Yes. Yeah. Right. But like, but that's but that's what you're talking about when you say that you'd like, you know, read through it all and go like, well, let's just assume they succeed in everything and see where the story goes. You can do that. There's no wrong way to enjoy it, but playing it through the way it was intended as published is not wrong or a waste of time. Just because it may be more fun to play something else, you don't always have the opportunity to play something else. And I think it, it fits its niche well. It's just it's good to understand where that fits in the greater I don't know, ecosystem of gaming and social interaction. I mean, there's certainly a place for these games, right? I mean, and I've played a lot of them and I've, I've enjoyed many of them. I've just find that, and I don't know why I didn't put it together. That's why I have a podcast. So I can like, you know, self-awareness things where I just realized like when (laughs) I'm playing by myself, I'm not, yeah, I just, I'm not interested in going through the motions. If I'm playing by myself, I'm like, why does it matter if I roll these dice? 
Like I just, I mean, whatever. I can always just fudge it if I need to. You're getting very existential. Um, yeah. Nihilistic. Game. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's a depressing. I mean, I either win or I either lose. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> doesn't matter. The universe is just going to die anyways. Yeah. <sighs> In a trillion years, none of this will make any sense yeah. to anyone. Just continue well. on to the heat death of the universe. <laughs> Actually, that's where you can just do it and have yeah. fun. I agree. All right. Final question. Um, role playing games and, and, and I know that this is going to be, it depends. It's going to be a gray area, whatever, but kind of force yourself into one side or the other. When you're playing a role playing game, do you find that the story is more compelling or is it the character development progression and use? Like the mechanical side of it is more compelling. Like what's more compelling to you? When you're playing a role-playing game, Fletcher, you're first. Um, you know, I think getting started and um, I would say that the character progression is more compelling to me. But then I kind of realize that like the story kind of drives the par- the character progression. And if you just want to progress characters, you can just, you know, create characters all day and then fake level them up and just be like, oh, this is great. But you really want to like play the game. As opposed to just create, you know, paper characters and never use them because that's no fun. You can you can level it up and just be like, oh, I am, I am now the ult- ultimate rogue. I created a level 20 rogue. Look at all these great abilities I have. But it doesn't feel good because it didn't really do anything. So I think um, for me, it's like it's it's both. I need the story to progress the character so I can get that enjoyment. It was a very roguish answer because you disregarded the rules of the question. Which was that you had to pick one. Even I think you. I agree with you. <laughs> yeah, I think you. I think you picked the mechanical side of it, inspired by story. I think mechanicals first for you, inspired by the story, is like how that mechanical direction goes. That's what I heard. If you need me to translate from thieves can't, um, it was. Uh, <laughs> uh, I guess mechanical. If yeah. All right, Spencer. What about you? Story. If I have to pick one, it's definitely story. There are certainly games where the mechanical is more enjoyable. Uh, and some, sometimes that's just the nature of the game or because the story is lackluster, frankly. Uh, but I would say even, even in a game where like the story is really good and the mechanical progression is really fun, the mechanical progression becomes really a lot more fun because it has meaning in it distilled from the story. Yeah. And if it's, if it's just, a dry exercise in min-maxing my character or doing something interesting within the bounds of the rules, that is always going to put a ceiling on the level of enjoyment I can have. Yeah. I think I am Spencer and I are coming at it from the same answer from different directions. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think I am. And I want to be, I want to be clear on this too. It's not story like, Hey, the, the, whoever's running the game, the, the DM, wrote a really cool story that's unfolding in front of us. Sometimes that can be interesting, but the best games are ones where all of the player characters are deeply involved in the way the plot unfolds and develops. So, and and that can tie into backstory and decisions that you make there. Uh, And you're faced with hard choices that maybe you don't even know what you're going to do. And then as you make that choice, that grows and changes who your character is. Those sorts of those sorts of games to me are, are the best. 
They, they get you really involved in what's going to happen, caring what's going to happen. And then I, I end up caring a lot more about where I spend my points on the sheet of paper. I think for me, it's definitely story is the, is far secondary to the mechanisms. Like I really, it's not about min maxing so much. It's just about how can I create different characters or, you know, try a different thing. And which is why all these role-playing games in a box really appeal to me because each one has their own character development system. Um, in any board game, I like games that allow me to build up my character in game. That could be a deck building game. It could be an engine building game. It could be, you know, literally a, a role-playing game in a box. Um, that character progression is what I like most. And the story rarely do I care. Um, I can't even think of the last time I cared about the story. And that's probably what makes me a bad player because I just don't care about the story. And I, this may be one of those things where once you've been behind the camera long enough, right? It's everything. You're analyzing everything in a different way. You're not enjoying the story. You're analyzing the story. So I think that's where I'm at. And I can't, is Kitty still in the room with you? No, but I think she's coming back. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't sure if she we was had, just we had, camera. we had a child screaming upstairs <laughs> yeah. that she wanted to take care of. No. I, she is. I, I can put her on the spot and um, see if she wants to answer this question, I too. I made it worse. <laughs> ah, it's all good. So, Kitty, the question is, in a role-playing game, in general, do you put story... Do you are you most interested in story first or the mechanisms of the game and your character and character development first? And you're not allowed to say both. It's you have to pick one over the other. Even though we are both both say both. Don't spoil it. Uh, I really want to say both. <laughs> <laughs> but what one because it's not equal. Even for Fletcher and, and Spencer, it's not equal. Like what one are you more excited about first? Is it your backstory or is it the abilities on your character sheet and is it progressing that story or is it progressing the abilities on your character sheet? I'd say before the session, it's my character and my character abilities and make building and making my character. But then what I remember later is the story. So it's like what draws me in is the mechanics, but what keeps me coming back is the story. Okay. And I think that's one of the things that's the big difference between a role-playing game and a role-playing game in a box is the mechanics. I think a lot of these have very compelling character development mechanics. And a lot of them have very compelling stories. It's just, you if depending on what you're interested in more, is going to drive whether you want to go to the next thing. You know, we look at Pandemic Legacy, it had... It did not have compelling characters, right? There was no backstory to these characters. And even developing them, but actually developing them was fun, right? We want to open up the next thing. We want to add the next sticker to our sheet and then play the next mission, which is essentially just a tweak of the last thing we did. Like doing that was the fun part of that game, as well as unraveling the story. But I don't know. I, I think I putting the sticker on the on the dude was more compelling to me than saying okay what's the big next big twist but i don't know i think that's easy to say now that you know what the story is i know there is a point there is a point where you're like we have to know and i don't know though because that that does i almost said it is like 
was it I want to know what the story is or is it I want to know what's in that box? I'd also point out <laughs> what's in the box. Well, while you're saying this, you've also said that you're a bad player, often don't like playing, and that while you're attracted to these games and buy them, you usually don't enjoy playing them. So perhaps you're approaching it wrong. <laughs> And on that note, we need to draw winners for our Azul <laughs> tournament. What what Chris wants is DM in a box. <laughs> can we, no. Hey, can we have an episode where we just like do a therapy session for? <laughs> uh, let's have a, let's have an intervention no. in podcast. We I mean, we did that once, but it was more about his buying. But this is yeah. intriguing because yeah. I don't think we've really hit on Chris's problems as, as a player <laughs> slash I don't want to be a player. Tell you what. Transform Chris into someone who likes games. <laughs> Tell you what. The next time I'm out, the three of you can get together and you can have any topic you want. <laughs> I think that works out great. All right. But we are running... To the point where we need to draw some... <laughs> I'm not trying to get out of it. I'm really just kind of moving on. Um, <laughs> we are going to <laughs> draw some winners for our Zill contest. Now, I have uh, removed the three of us from the drawing. So there are 29 people, four winners. So your odds are pretty good. And right now I'm sharing my screen with all of our live listeners. So therefore it's, it's as live as possible. Um, Steve, you haven't actually won it. Just that's where it's sitting right now. But um, I will do my five, four, three, two, one countdown, which generates a random number every time I say a number and sort of, and where it ends, that'll be the winner. So five, four, three, two, one. And the first winner is, appropriately enough getty 19 um he wins his his version of his azul of choice um and the next person who's going to win an azul of choice is five four three two one um all right i do not have this is malaterza malaterza i'm gonna say malaterza um you're all on discord so ping me on discord and we'll set up your prizes um, for the first BGA subscription. Five, four, three, two, one. Um, AJ Fay, you have a BGA subscription coming your way. And last BGA subscription, five, four, three, two, one, is Sixes Are Hot. All right. I like that name. Sixes Are Hot. And then finally, for the patrons, you will get a BGA uh, subscription. The only thing you have to do is email me back and tell me what your BGA name is, and I will send you a code. So five, four, three, two, one. Uh, winner is Christopher Letko. You are our winner for a BGA subscription. Again, just email me, and I will get you that code. Thank you, everyone, for participating. We're going to do... Um, I'm going to get Getty to do this. Uh, and I just gave him an Azul game, so we're all good there. But um, I think Railroad Inc. is going to be our next tournament. No. And it's going to be huge. Everyone should join. Um, and remember, you just have to participate to win. You don't have to win to win, if that makes sense. Um, there's no waiting whatsoever on winning. It's just for fun and... Fletcher bragging will rights. play. I'm, I'm making. Yeah, it's bragging rights. And Fletcher will get good at Railroad Inc. I know he will. <laughs> I, I have faith. We'll probably do like. Um, oh, and Christopher asked, "What about the trophy?" There will be a virtual trophy. Um, so that is how, that is your winning your bragging rights. Is there will be a virtual trophy for the winner of the tournament? Actual winner of the tournament. You will get a little a, a JPEG or a. a 
PNG of your trophy of choice. Um, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to the next tournament because I just got my butt kicked in this one. <sighs> no, Christopher, it will not be an NFT. Um, not for any other reasons, but besides NFTs are silly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On that note, why don't you take us out, Kitty? Tabletop Game Tech is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. You can be part of our live recording Monday nights at 8.30 Central or join our Discord to talk to us all week long. Both links are in the show notes. You can also email us at feedback at tabletopgametalk.com. Hosting fees and giveaways are sponsored by our patrons. If you'd like to be one of these wonderful people, you can find out how by visiting our website, tabletopgametalk.com, and clicking the Support Us link. Or click the link in the show notes, too. Finally, a huge thank you to our current patrons, Adam Harrison, Miles Clark, The Gift of Games, Zahara Wentworth, Jason Strong, John Lewis, Joe Hoover, Danita Hersey, Jim Conrad, Lightning Steve, Gary Bunker, Peter Fleming, Andrew Fyash, John Williams, Sir Sully, Matthew Droke, Jimothy, uh, where am I, Paul Reamer, uh, Nicholas Lotz, uh, Weatherman Keefe, Joe Ponman, uh, Lean Vohust, uh, Stephen Judd, uh, Marina Stevens, Ben Gary, Sean Peck, uh, Michael Yanikowski, Jeremy Fisher, Jason Marks, Christopher Dong, Terrence uh, Miltner, Richard Yassi, Tolkien fan, Foeva, uh, Michael Fidley, David Radke, Brian Arnold, I need to scroll. So many people <laughs> that love and support us. Isn't this great? It's amazing. Fock, Ryan Hillett, Dan Seed, Darren McClellan, David Gardner, Tony Simpkins, Jesse Wheeler, Charles Pearson, Agnes Toth, Ron Nelson, Aaron Moore, Don Gilstrap, Glenn Cotter, Eric uh, Salander, uh, Edwin Dong, Eric Hoffman, Jason Rodney, Justin Williard, Jeremy Huang, and Sean P. Kelly. And thank you to everyone who sits through, you, you did great, through the patron names every week, because I know even my <laughs> wife says, if I tap twice on 30 seconds skip, I get right to the end. Um, don't do that. That's not nice. So <laughs> if you want that to not be true, go become a patron so that Sydney has to either miss the banter or skip through the <laughs> That's the goal. That's the, Yep, that's the thing. <laughs> and until next week, keep playing games and having fun. All right, so I just created an Azul game for the three of us that we're going to play turn-based, and we're not allowed to take more than two turns a day. So at the end, so next Monday we'll finish it live and see. Man, who Chris wins. really doesn't want to talk about his intervention. <laughs> no, no, no. That I, I don't think you're supposed to um, talk about your own interventions. That that's that that's not how that works, right? I see no invitation in my text messages. I'm waiting for this to be real. <laughs> Same. You people and your... You know, if we, if we want to make it so that you can't skip over the patron names, then we should split that up and edit them in so that every five seconds we say, Chris will thank you too, and then just drop the name in there. I think This really next sentence is brought to you by so, David yeah. Garner. <laughs> <laughs> it won't be any tangential that it already is, so I, I'm actually all for it. <laughs> huh. You might have something there. Should I go deal with the streaming child? I suppose.
<laughs> I'm going to go deal with the screaming child. Bye, everybody.